time for your week daily look at the NBA and your Charlotte Hornets. It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, Hornets fans, I wish uh, you were waking up to better news. The Hornets do not get the victory over the Cleveland Cavaliers. They slip back down the standings. Didn't last long, David, that third seed, uh, but... Yeah, I don't know. There's really not a great butt. There's not a really great butt there. The the it's a tight race, and and every victory matters. And certainly, you can't take moral victories away. Let's do a quick uh, a recap on this one. The Hornets lose to the Cavaliers, one twelve, one hundred three. Bad start for the Hornets on defense and on the boards, combined with uh, some continued poor three point shooting, three of twelve from beyond the arc in that first half. The Hornets finally did get physical on defense and make a run at the end of the first half when the starters came back in. Let's go to the second half. Batum uh, not returning to the game after the first half. A left knee strain. We'll get to that in a moment. In the second half, Kimba Walker, 21 points on 6 of 12 shooting. A lot of that in the third quarter. Five assists, four rebounds. He really put the team on his back. Jeremy Lin added 12 points, mostly in the fourth quarter. The Hornets turned six Cavaliers turnovers into 14 points, got the deficit all the way down to four before J.R. Smith hit one of his five threes to get things back on the rails for the Cavaliers. They finished off the Hornets from there. Again, the final score, 112-103. David, it felt like the Hornets lost this game seven different times, but that also means that they were in this game at different moments, even after that poor start to the game. Anything for listeners to take away from this one? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they made it a they made it a game a couple of times, as you mentioned, and they did it without Batum. And I think that's the biggest thing right now is they they got to get Batum back and get everyone healthy because the the run they've had has been you know a result of a lot of things some some games at home some some games against maybe not the best competition, but um, even though I mean they they had a good run and they've been healthy. I mean that's the biggest thing with this team that when they're able to utilize all their talent now. They finally got Hawes back as well when the team goes down. But, you know, I think that's the biggest thing for them. But the other thing is, Doug, I mean, you know, they didn't play well. They let the Cavs – I mean, the Cavs shot 55% from three. And you mentioned J.R. Smith. Every time the Hornets got it down to like seven or something, he'd hit a big three and put it back to double digits. So this is going to be a tough game to win anyway. It's the Cavs. They're still the Cavs. They still have LeBron. They're still the best team in the East. And you're playing at home. So you're playing them at home. So it was a tough game, but they didn't make it easy. I mean, they didn't go away, and especially without Batum to come back and make a game of it, get it down to – it was down to four, right? I mean, it was down to yep. four after Courtney Lee's two-pointer and, and Lynn got fouled. So, I mean, that says a lot. And and as far as these standings go, I mean, it's annoying and it's a little disappointing, I guess, to go from three to six. But, hey, all that that's all jumbled up together. It's going to be an uphill battle because of all the tiebreakers and whatnot for the Hornets to get back up there. But I think if you're in three or six, you still avoid Cleveland in the second round. And, and that's getting a little ahead of ourselves. But when you start looking at it, I mean, that's that's going to be important. And if you're playing the Hawks either way or, or whomever, I don't think it makes a huge difference. I mean, home court advantage would be nice, but, you know, they're in the playoffs and the goal is to win in advance. So, um, not a, I mean, not a surprising result. You'd like to win, but you know, I don't think you can head, hang your head too low. 
Yeah, without Al Jefferson in the game to start and without Kyrie Mm -hmm. Irving on the other end, a victory in this game would not have meant all that much in terms of, you know, is can Charlotte hang with Cleveland in a possible, you know, Eastern Conference Finals or second round matchup? Uh, But and and certainly them fighting back, this would be a different kind of five o'clock alarm had they lost a 20 point wire to wire game against Cleveland. But you just wonder, David, like when is the light going to turn on for this Hornets team that they can't come out in the first quarter and and play poorly against, you know, they did it against Philly and but you can't do it against Cleveland and you can't do it at Toronto. That's the next game on Tuesday. You know, when is the light going mm-hmm. going to turn on? But let's let's turn to this Nick Batum injury. Again, he he uh we didn't even we didn't know. It was a surprise even to the broadcast team. They were <laughs> when the second half started, they were looking and, and counting the players and going, Hey, wait a minute, where's Nick Batum? The team coming out and saying it's a, a knee strain. Now, David, I'm, I let me preface what I'm about to say with I'm no doctor, but I de- uh, you know, I I've dealt with a few of my own knee injuries and and I've you know read up on this and and researching injuries and so the strain has to do with the muscles or the tendons in the knee and a sprain would be the the ligaments your ACL MCL so this is a strain so it could be a you know a patellar tendon swelling issue or it could be any of the muscles around the knee could have could have inflamed I looked back David and I didn't see one play where there was a traumatic event. Uh, he did have a, a layup, a, a run out in transition, and J.R. Smith got into him a little bit, and he landed a little awkwardly and, and looked, he kind of grimaced after that layup. So I wonder if that may have inflamed something. But, you know, you look back, and Jimmy Butler had a knee strain uh, in February, and that kept him out four weeks. But there was there was an event. I mean, he had to be carted off, and he didn't end up having a tear or or ligament damage. He just had a strain. But it but the rehab took weeks. So we just don't know. You have to. We'll wait to hear from the team on the severity. Of course, they'll do an MRI. I'm sure. Figure out if there's any ligament damage. If he tore a muscle, and you know all of that. The severity of the injury will really indicate to the team how long he'll be out. But it could be. Uh, Doug McDermott from the Bulls also had a knee strain early in the season, and he was day to day. So you just don't know mm-hmm. until you get in there and find out. So I wish I wish I had more information for fans, but hopefully that little bit of information will give you an idea of what we're looking at. Yeah, and I think you just have to keep your fingers crossed, right? If you're a Hornets and, and Hornets fan, he's that, vital. Yeah, I mean he's vital to any yeah. to any sustained success that this team will have in the playoffs. They certainly need him back. And if it is a week's injury, that's at least positive in the sense that you know there are several weeks before this playoff this playoff race starts. So you know if it's two weeks, the yeah. Hornets could still see him Only back. Two weeks. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about – oh, here's here's something I want to talk about. A lot of people, when the Hornets got off to that bad start, were pointing to the 3.30 p.m. matinee Sunday you know, start. You know my feelings on this. You know my feelings on this, Well, l- let's hear them again. Oh, that's absolutely why they lost the game, Doug. I mean, it's no question. <laughs> I, I do think it does play a part. I mean, I, I, a small part. I mean, I don't it's, buy a change it. in, in, it's a change in routine. It's a change in the daily – walkthroughs and all that stuff. I mean, they're professionals. They they should be used to it. They're not going to use it as an excuse. 
I think it affects it in, in some way, but no, it's not what they lost. But I, I think, it look, it affects how they start. Yeah. I think it's late in the season. They've had these kind of games before this season, and they know the stakes. The stakes are high. The adrenaline's mm-hmm. running. They they have stated how how high the stakes are and how important each game is. So I just don't – I would buy that in a meaningless game in the middle of the season or the beginning of the season, but not not this late. I think you got to go out. Good teams you can play. I don't care if you're playing at 7 or 7 in the morning. You got to go out there and give it everything you got in in the first quarter. I just I just don't buy it. I'm sorry. Well, you don't understand routine then. <laughs> I understand routine plenty. We do this five o'clock alarm. I have a very specific bathroom routine that happens before this five o'clock alarm that I won't get into. Uh, yeah, no, I, it's not what they lost. I'm, but uh, I, no, it's not what they lost. I was just I was just messing with you, Doug. Um, I, 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 I'm a believer in that routine, though, and then that can mess you up. But, nah, you you got to come out better than that. You can't give up 30, 29 points in the first quarter. That's got to stop in the second quarter uh, and almost the third quarter. So, I mean, <laughs> there's a pattern there they need to break. Yeah, and, and you look at those J.R. Smith uh, five three-pointers, and it certainly was a story. I mean, he didn't hit the first one until late in uh, the second quarter, I believe. So, you know, he got a little bit of a, a late hot streak going. Uh, six, or excuse me, I, I said one of his five. That was five second half three pointers. So he did hit one there at the end of the the second quarter as well. So six mm-hmm. total, six of nine from beyond the arc. And he's a guy. I mean, he's a heater. You know, he gets he gets on these hot streaks. Yeah. And you have to make sure that once he starts to get into a rhythm, that you do everything you can to stop him. But it's it really comes down I watched the six three pointers and a lot of it comes down to coverage mistakes that happen because LeBron James is on the court and you know look credit credit to the Cavs David they they were not um resting LeBron James 40 almost 41 minutes in this game I don't know why I mean they were resting Kyrie and LeBron had rested in in previous games leading up to this one so maybe they just they just wanted to get his engine warmed back up again, but uh, he was 14 of 22 from the field. You knew, uh, I said a- after we got done with our Sunday hit, David. I said this feels like one of these games where LeBron's going to go 30 plus, and and he definitely did that. But go, but back to J.R. Smith. I mean, I looked at the, a lot of the coverages, and there were guys that you know like Jeremy Lin and Courtney Lee who had their eyes on LeBron James in the middle of the floor, and and that allowed you know, screens by Mozgov or, or some some kind of off ball action to happen to get J.R. Smith free. Uh and so, you know, that's just one of those things. LeBron James. He affects yeah. he affects more things probably with the ball out of his hands than he does with the ball in his hands. And that's amazing because of yeah. what he can do. Thirty one, twelve and eight for LeBron. Uh a ridiculous line. Pretty good. And then and then Kevin Love, twenty five and 27 from J.R. Smith. I mean, that's just the thing. It feels like we've seen that line, some combination of it, from a LeBron James team every time the Hornets play him. And if you go down the the box score here, Doug, I mean, the, the the Cavs bench, you know, didn't do much in the way of scoring. So the Hornets bench was a, was a bit better than they were yesterday, in large part, like you said, to uh, Jeremy Lynn. But you want to hear a weird stat from this game. The fast break points, 23-6 to six in favor of the Hornets. So, good 
go figure. Yeah, well, the Hornets, again, in that second half, they were turning the Cavs over and turning them over yeah. and, and being very aggressive in the passing lanes. I mean, they knew the they knew by the second half they finally figured out, hey, this game means something. We've got to turn it up. And guys like Courtney Lee, I mean, I think they had six or so steals in that second half and a total 15 steals in this game for the Hornets. Let's see, five of mm-hmm. those by Cody Zeller and uh, – uh, Courtney Lee added three. Kimba Walker added four. So, you know, they were getting into passing lanes, being aggressive on defense, especially in that second half. And and there were situations where it was an easy bucket on the other end, and that's how they got back into this game. But, you know, again, LeBron James affects a lot of things, and but there were breakdowns in the coverage and, and things that they definitely yeah. have to look at because you're going, you know, in the playoffs, you're going to face, you know, that, that, that same level of talent night after night and you have to be able to to overcome it so hopefully the Hornets can get Nick Batum back hopefully they can get Al Jefferson back into this thing relatively quickly and get get you know ready for the playoffs but they have another game coming up against Toronto on Tuesday so a big one on the road I think it was probably frustrating to see LeBron get a couple easy buckets down at the end of that game you know he got freed up on a couple screen and rolls uh, so it's like, how do you lose LeBron? <laughs> but I mean, that's what they, the players were designed to do. And, um, so those breakdowns didn't exactly stop, but they definitely, um, they, they definitely did a better job as the game went on. Unfortunately, you know, you think you like to think if you have Batum, you can maybe get another 20 point score to match their three and get you a little closer. But, um, you know, I think Steve Clifford and those guys know they can't start the game that way. I mean, that's the overall theme, as you've mentioned. You can't go out there and do that against anyone in the NBA, much much less LeBron and the Cavs. So, hopefully, one they can they can learn from and just keep in their back pocket to, you know, another tough game in Toronto. So, um, nothing's going to be easy down the stretch here. If Nick Batum is out on Tuesday, I I would expect the Hornets to start Jeremy Lin at the two-guard position and, and go small there. Uh, but uh, if Al yeah. Jefferson continues to be out, then definitely going to get a lot more Spencer Hawes. And uh, mm-hmm. they recalled Aaron Harrison from the D-League, so he'll be available as well. We're going to be available. Yeah, he is. He, he is. He is. He is. He's uh, really – that that commute from <laughs> – I'm telling you. From a lot of road to, uh, Yeah. Yeah, really. Um. So Aaron Harrison's back. If you want to, we we talked about him on Thursday and his um, trials and tribulations in the D League. So go, go back and listen to that show if you want to hear more about Aaron Harrison and his preparation to get back into uh, NBA action. And definitely uh, mark your calendars tomorrow night, six o'clock p.m. HiveTalkLive.com. Our our show is going to be. Pretty amazing. We talked to Jonathan Abrams, author of the book Boys Among Men. It's all about the uh, 10-year period between 1995 and 2005 where we saw a glut of high schoolers entering the NBA. It's a great book. It was a great interview. And we also uh, talked to a few of uh, the Hornets players about whether or not there should be an age limit and the prep-to-pro transition. So look forward to that, and we'll be back on the mic tomorrow morning uh, with more information, hopefully with an update on Nicholas Batum's condition. Thanks so much for listening. Until then, all hail the Teal and Purple.